1: My name is Ty James, and to me, family is people that you can depend on, people that love you, people that you love and hate sometimes. <laughs> Not literally hate, but you know, we don't choose our family, so they typically have your bloodline and At times, there are some people that you consider family that don't necessarily have your bloodline. So I want to go back to it being just loving, caring, and people that you can depend on.
0: Hello, and welcome to We Are Family. I'm here with Ty James, daughter of the late Rick James and CEO of the Stone City Fashion Brand. She now appears in and is the executive producer of Bitchin', The Sound and Fury of Rick James, a documentary about her dad on Showtime. Ty, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, hey, Julia. <laughs> thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. So I feel like we really need to start our conversation by talking about this incredible documentary that you've been a part of and worked on as Rick James's daughter. It's been more than 15 years since your dad passed away. What's it been like revisiting his life as you've been working on the documentary?
1: Well, wow. revisiting his life has been exciting, emotional, I mean, it's I never really feel like he's totally gone, if that makes sense. I still speak of him in the present. Um, he's left so much behind, you know, the, a legacy so strong and impactful that, you know, I kind of still feel like he's here. So it's a constant emotional roller coaster.
0: And there are so many amazing stories in the documentary with so many famous people that he interacted with. Do you have any kind of favorite stories from the documentary or stories in general, you know, about your dad as you've been working on the project?
1: Oh God, there are just so many stories. Like where, where do you start? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think the, my, the funniest one was probably the time when, Uh, he ran, we were at Eddie Murphy's house, um, who is like family to us. The two of us were riding together and there was like a carload full of other people. And so we were leaving and he backed into his water fountain, like literally the big fountain in front of somebody's yard. The thing kind of tilted over. And after he did it, it was like he had hit like a little bump in the road or something. Like, had no idea what he had just done and went to just put the car and drive. And I'm like, Daddy, hold on. Wait a minute. You you have to turn around and tell the man that you destroyed his water fountains. <laughs> he didn't want to go back in the house and tell him. And I'm trying to bribe him into doing it. Like, it was just, it was a whole big ordeal. So we went to the door. And I had to follow behind him because, you know, he's a trickster. So... <laughs> he would go peek in and act like he didn't do it or, or he did it and never told him anything. So I'm right behind him, and he peeks his head in the door. He's like, Oh yeah. Eddie tied to her up your fountain. <laughs> I said, Wait a second. What is going on? So, you know, it's just like always little bits and pieces of his life that, I mean, I can't, I just think about every day, you know, there's not a day that goes by that. I don't think about his antics and, everybody knows how much of a jokester, you know, my dad isn't just another quick, funny one is that (laughs) he always loved to take people's food. Like if you're eating it, if you have a half a hamburger in your hand and you're eating it, he's going to take it out your hand and just like, Oh, this must be for me. So if, if you're eating a candy bar, you know, The rest is his. Don't come in his path. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Just funny stuff all the time. Like, all the time.
0: Oh, my goodness. That must have just been so nutty growing up with him as your dad. And it must have just felt like, you know, obviously your dad is in the spotlight all the time. It's the Rick James show all the time growing up. As as a kid, did it feel like, hey, (laughs) what about me? Can't I eat the rest of my burger?
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's like. He's so known for music, but I think that's why him and Eddie had such a wonderful relationship, because he was
0: a natural comedian. Now, so you're the oldest of your dad's kids, and he said a really sweet quote that I read, which is so beautiful. He said, when our angel girl Ty was born, I was over the moon. I danced with joy. Just such sweet words. But you didn't actually meet him until you were 30, or really get to know him until you were 13. Can you talk a little bit about why that was?
1: It was different because he was absent. You know, it was it was pretty emotional, I would say at times, because, you know, as a child, you long for that male figure, that that dominant figure. You know, my mom did the best job she could um, raising my brother and I because we have the same mom and dad. Um, He's two years younger than me. So I oftentimes think that he probably needed him more than I did, because when we met at 13, it just was a natural love there. The the fondness that a girl I say has for her father just kicked in naturally, like it's what I had been missing. I didn't think about the past or how he wasn't there. I just immediately started from where we were and I had, you know, this forgiving heart and it was just in a, a natural bond.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was easy. It was pretty easy. Do you remember what was the exact moment that you first met him when you were thirteen?
1: Oh, certainly. Um, My brother and I were getting off the plane in Buffalo, Mm -hmm. New York, and uh, we were accompanied by a stewardess because you know children couldn't fly alone at that time. And you know you see this big image of a man, and it was it was more than just a man walking towards you. You felt the whole the bigness of Rick James. He told us that he actually went up to some other kids because he, he wasn't <laughs> sure who we were because wow. of course he didn't really know how we looked until, you mm-hmm. know, of course we finally and um met face to face and it was just, it was overwhelming. It really was. It was the longest um, embrace. It was the longest hug you can a- even imagine.
0: And instantly the bond was created. That's great. So did he seek you out? How did did you come to be reunited at that moment?
1: So my brother, who's, like I said, two years younger than me, he was actually going around the school telling everybody who his dad was. We lived in Inglewood, California, which is a not so pleasant part of Los Angeles. And so I would be upset with him like, Ricky, stop telling everybody this like it's it's embarrassing, you know that we don't have the fancy cars and you know the nice clothes the the new stuff that everybody else has, and you know our dad's a millionaire, and we don't even know him, you know, like I was hmm. just always trying to like drill that in his head, like stop it, stop it, stop it, so he wind up telling one of his friends who actually did security for my dad. So the little boy went and told his dad, you know, there's this kid around school going around saying that his dad's Rick James. And so (laughs) from that, the man told my dad and my dad was like, well, what school is this? Because it probably is.
0: Ah. So
1: the next couple of days, there was um, a P.I. knocking on our door and saying, is this where Ty and Ricky live? That is pretty much where it started. And within a week, we were uh, whisked off to Buffalo,
0: New York. Wow! And so you were old enough at 13 to be aware of the fact that you, like you said, you had a millionaire superstar um, for a dad. But you you were living, you know, with your mom as a single parent. Very modestly. (laughs) Very modestly. Right. Do you remember having any kind of like resentment about that? Or or were you just kind of like, that's how it is? Do you remember how you felt about it? There was some resentment, of course,
1: because it was more of a a question like, gosh, he doesn't want, you know, his children. Like it was that feeling of not being wanted. Mm. And so as far as resentment is concerned, I think that my brother picked that up because he's somewhat of a mama's boy, so to say. And mm-hmm. I'm the daddy's girl. So it it all went away when we met because... I still had this feeling of a man should be responsible for being the breadwinner, should be the one to go out, bring home the bacon. Like a man sometimes has to be absent from the home, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? To pursue dreams and goals and and make it happen. That happens with musicians all the time. So I think early on, I still had a really good understanding of that. And my brother um, had the resentment because they struggle with their relationship at times.
0: Mm. And so because he'd hired a private investigator to find you once he'd heard the rumors that you existed at that school, did that, did that make you think that he'd been trying to find you for a while or it's been something where he he knew you were there and, and, and hadn't been able to reach you?
1: I think it's probably a combination of the two because mm-hmm. um, him and my mom early on, like right after the both of us were born, Decided to go separate ways because she went and sought a more spiritual background. I think it had a lot to do with the lifestyle that the both of them were living. Mm. You know, it was a very fast paced, um, rock and roll, Hollywood, struggling artist, you know, lifestyle back in the day. And she just wanted to go a whole different direction. So I, I know that she took us off and probably broke communication for her own sanity.
0: Right kind of went no contact, protect yourself, went the totally opposite direction, I suppose.
1: Yes, exactly. So, I mean, there has to be some understanding um, on both ends on my, you know, as it relates to my mom and my dad. So, you know, I just kind of found it in my heart to forgive the both of them because I know it, what, it couldn't have been just him. He's uh, an icon, he's a superstar, so he's not hard to find. (laughs) Right, (laughs) I would have been knocking on that door with my two kids. Like, look,
0: (laughs) hello, get it together. (laughs) And so, what was your relationship like after you were reunited? So, he was in Buffalo. Did you spend a lot of time in Buffalo? Did he come back to Los Angeles? What was sort of next for you?
1: Oh well, at that point, it was it was an instant connection. I instantly moved to Buffalo. My brother went back to L.A. My whole life changed. Uh, I was really impacted with just the culture around me in New York. And I, and I love the diversity, you know, the music, uh, the atmosphere. It was just a different beat than Los Angeles. And I chose to
0: stay there. Obviously, you know, when people think of your dad, they think of this incredible showman and musician as, as we've said, and but they also think about his wild behavior <laughs> Um What was that like growing up with a dad like that? How do you think now as an adult looking back at that? And how how did you experience it as a child? Well, it definitely
1: became second nature, I would say, to see people partying and and music all the time. And, you know, just this, it's always a constant, like, on-the-go party lifestyle. Occasional naked girls here and there. (laughs) Right just, you know, normal. I totally feel like it was a different time. The way it affected me is just, you know, I learned balance and to be well-rounded because even now with, you know, I drink socially, I smoke socially cannabis, but I, that's as far as I'll go. Like there are a lot of things that I learned not to do from him. Like there's no way I would touch cocaine. Just, you know, seeing seeing those things, it, it, it created the balance that I needed in life as a woman.
0: Can you talk a little bit about what that was like growing up with a father who was an addict? Because you talked at the beginning, your lovely quote about what family is. And I, I noticed that you said people you can rely on. And I'm sure part of having a father who was an addict is that feeling that you couldn't necessarily always rely on him.
1: Yeah, that's uh, definitely the painful aspect that you do encounter with especially a parent that's an addict because we're talking about the person that you hang out with or that might need to make you breakfast or might need to get you dressed or might, you know what I mean? That just the provider. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, I would definitely like to emphasize that the addict is not the only person that's affected when, when there are drugs involved.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's really, really hard. There are some painful stories there. We've had fights. We've had arguments, just, you know, a lot of disappointing times with mm. the, with the drug itself. And I've even wound up in the hospital due to a fight that we've had because mm. it's totally the demon that is the drug. It's not even the person. And once you understand that it's, it's a disease and you know, that it's not that person that's doing these things, it's the the monster mm-hmm. that um, they, they are addicted to.
0: Do you have any kind of advice for anyone who's seeking to reunite with a parent the way you did?
1: Yeah, I would say um, if you're seeking to reunite with the parent, kind of do your homework first so that you're not surprised by anything. See, if, see you know, what you can gather as far as background and what's been taking place, you know, so you're not blindsided. That is definitely one of the things that I would say. And also just to try to keep an open heart, you know, as to the reason, like, don't focus so much on what that reason is that they were absent and see if that you can resume something for, you know, just from the time that we have, because we don't have a lot of time on this earth. So you never know, you might meet them and it could be an instant bond like it was for me, or you Mm -hmm. might meet them and say... You know there there's a reason why we haven't been speaking, and I'm cool. So you know whatever right. that is for you, just make sure you do your research and and do it with the open heart.
0: Have you done any ancestry.com or any of the twenty three and me? Or are you are you curious because I'm whether or not there are any other siblings out there? You no, know, thinking about Rick James and you know his reputation. Well,
1: the good thing about him being who he is is that if there was, they would have definitely came forth <laughs> like when Fair. when my dad passed away like i was dreading i said okay they about to start coming out the woodwork y'all let's get you know let's prepare for this so that didn't happen and we just were so excited because as much of a you know party animal rock and roll star that my dad is he still is very very smart and calculated with his decisions and Obviously, not that much of a super freak because still only had three children.
0: (laughs) So, you know, you obviously had a lot of really great lessons come from your father. How did the way he lived his life affect the way you've lived your life? Again, I
1: feel very well-rounded as a woman. I like the fact that, you know, I can have fun. I can drink socially. I can smoke, but there's always this boundary that I know that I'm not going to cross because of the things that I saw, you know, mm-hmm. with him. So I I like that as a parent he taught me what to do, but as a parent he also taught me what not to do. And then also his his persistence and his drive um is another thing that you know, I really feel like I embody that he did not give up, you know, he fought and struggled and did everything he had to do to achieve success and make sure that he accomplished his dreams. And mm-hmm. that wasn't always very easy. There was sometimes a hustle involved, but, you know, by any means necessary. And that's the respect that I, I have for him and, and so proud of the fact that, you know, he never gave up.
0: Yeah, it seemed like he had to work so much harder, I think, as, you know, as a black man in the music industry, and he's seeing all these white musicians around him finding success before he could. It just felt like he had to to work 10,000 times harder.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Imagine then with none of the devices that we have, you know, there's no social media, there's no FaceTime, there's no Riverside... (laughs) Zoom right? calls, like, no, no Spotify, right. no Apple, right. like, no, nothing. So, you know, it was literally going, beating down these doors and, you know, getting in front of these people and demanding that they listen, you know, and mm-hmm. just understanding that, you know, that God gave you a gift that was to be shared and by any means
0: necessary. You have to. Is it true that he told you not to get into the music business?
1: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, we had a a really big fight because early on, I was gonna sign with Death Row with Uh Should Knight, and I had a lot of friends that were signed to him. And you know, Snoop is like family to me. And just Mm -hmm. growing up in L.A., I was exposed to that, and I could actually, you know, rap like I can write. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a, a great ear for music, which I got from him as well. So. You know, I, I got some, some hits under my <laughs> belt, <laughs> but he was totally opposed to it. And I think, it you know, it had a lot to do with his path and, and how he got there and what it took to get there.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: he probably, you know, one did not want to see his baby girl have to go through that.
0: <laughs> Fair. Um, so your dad, he died at just 56 years old, which is so young. And it was back in 2004. Can you remember when you were told about him passing? uh,
1: Yeah, of course I can remember that. That's the day I'll never forget. Um, I was actually driving from my house to LA. My phone started ringing. It just kept blowing up. And Linda Hunt is calling me, who is my dad's. She was one of his closest confidants. She was his housekeeper. She was his assistant. I mean, you name it, she did it for over like 30 something years, close to 40 years, she dedicated her life to him. Um, She's like family. And so when I finally picked up the phone, she was saying, you need to get over here to the house. And as soon as she said it, I just, my stomach dropped because I kind of knew, you know, what was going on. And I just had, I had a bad feeling. And so she was like, you know, we, we can't talk about it on the phone, but you just, you need to come now. And I was devastated. She told me when I got to the door, my dad had a few bouts with health, but it still was, you know, unexpected. He was still in the room when I got there. And I just recall laying, you know, in the bed with him for like an hour before anybody ever came. So that was definitely one of the most Difficult times I've had to face in, in life, uh, period. When I think about, you know, his age and everything that he's given and his contribution to the world, not just our culture, but every culture, I feel like it was a long time. I feel like he, he, he was here a long time. When you look at other artists, you know, they're they're gone way too soon, in their 20s and 30s you know, Mm -hmm. of overdose or just unknown causes. But, I mean, he's a rock star. Hmm. You know, my dad's a rock star. So Mm -hmm. every day going on stage, performing and giving all your energy and people drawing from your soul, that takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot out of you. So with that being said, you know, I always am so happy and I feel I was blessed to have that long with him
0: yes I mean just such he's such an amazing career now you have two daughters yourself charisma and Jasmine yeah uh-huh. did they did they get to meet him what was their relationship
1: like oh my god
0: yeah they they love their grandfather like
1: and he loved them Jasmine is older so she spent a lot more time with him but just the biggest heart like people see him as this outrageous rock star, musician, superstar. And to see him at home as a loving father, as a loving grandfather with the biggest heart, his close friends and family definitely know that, you know, he would give the shirt off of his back and, and they miss him. We all miss
0: him a lot. Do you feel like there are any specific values or traditions or anything that you, you've you passed on to your daughters that your dad gave you?
1: Yeah, I think just the freedom to be yourself and the confidence to be yourself, because that is one of the things that is what made him so successful. He always stood for what he believed in. And both of my daughters, they, they understand that it confidence is what gets you a very long way. If you don't believe in yourself, nobody will believe in you. So those are the jewels and the
0: gems that we like to, to spread on. Mm-hmm. So my last question that I ask everybody on this podcast is, what is your greatest hopes for the future of your family? Oh, man, my greatest hopes for the future of our
1: family is just that we continue to uplift one another. You know, we um, make sure that we are a representation of ourselves first and then the people around us. His brand and his legacy is something that's very strong and powerful. And, you know, my children understand that. And even if you don't come from a famous family or somebody that has made monumental marks, you can still be the first to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, just have the confidence and the, the inspiration remain driven. And, you know, that we keep we keep prayers up
0: for peace and happiness and, and life and love and success. That's wonderful. Ty, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Peace and blessings to you, too. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Ty James. Next time, you'll hear from the singer, dancer, actor, and brand new dad of twins, Lance Bass, as he prepares for his first ever holiday season as a family of four with husband Michael Turchin. Be sure to follow We Are Family on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at slash We Are Family Podcast. We Are Family is presented by me, Julia Dennison, and produced by Sam Walker. Editing is by Vincent Cascione. And thanks also to the rest of our production team at Pod People Rachel King, Matt Sav, and Danielle Roth. We'll see you back here next week for more We Are Family.